Hello again. I know. I know. It's been like not that long this time. Um, the reason is because I did another interview for my series for the International Trombone Festival, which is like freaking next week. It's crazy. Um, I actually, I'm just going to say this right now. I hate it when people say that, when people go, I I can't believe it's already August. Uh, I, that's how time works. It, it goes in that direction and it did not speed up or slow down. Like, what do you not believe? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's filler conversation. And if you know anything about me, you know, I don't like filler conversation. I don't like things that, well, half of me like really, really doesn't like it. And then the other half, I'm going to be honest, like kind of loves it. Um, I worked at, um, like a, a just office complex for a summer in college cleaning bathrooms. Um, so if you think, I've always been this, you know, <laughs> luxurious life living trombone player on YouTube. Uh, I cleaned toilets for an entire summer. I would go in after the business closed and then clean toilets all night. And then people would uh, make them dirty again during the day. And I would be back the next day for an entire summer. And uh, why am I t- <laughs> Why am I telling you this? Oh, because there was a guy I went... (laughs) Sorry. Uh, There was a guy who I worked with. And so I would go in. And me being the new guy, I got all the bathrooms. Um, The other people could clean more office buildings. I had 16 bathrooms and three, um, like, kitchen common areas. And those were the worst because... You know, the bathrooms are the bathrooms and the kitchens. You have to clean, like, all the microwaves and stuff, and they get really, really nasty. Um, The refrigerators and stuff, you know. So, uh, (laughs) so there's this guy. His name was Bill. And every day I would come in and say, hey, Bill, how you doing? And he would have a different thing to say, I swear to you, every single day. And it would be like, Another day, another dollar. Something like that, which is this filler conversation I'm talking about. It doesn't mean anything. But when Bill said it, I loved it. Um, another one he, he said was, uh, <clears throat> this one stuck with me, uh, living the dream, just not mine. <laughs> oh, I love Bill. Anyway, so there you go. So, yes, so the next week is ITF because that's how time works. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not quite prepared yet, uh, but I'm very close. So uh, now that this interview is is finished, uh, and that's why I'm telling you this whole story, is because basically I would have procrastinated more um, if the festival were not next week. But here we are. So I did not procrastinate more, and I finished editing the interview. This one is only from uh, a couple months ago when uh, Jurgen was in New York City. Um, so... We got together at Jay Landris Brass, which is this awesome brass shop in New York. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we got together and we chit-chatted. I had only met him in person really once before. I'd seen him around at trombone festivals and things like that, but we had never had a conversation before. I think it was one or two days before this interview. Um, so, yeah, he, he came in and was nice enough to share an hour with us. Uh, a little bit for ITF and a little bit for us, and uh, I learned so much about him. I, I knew, you know, just the, the common knowledge stuff and a couple little facts about him, like uh, the fact that he played with the New York Philharmonic for a little bit and, and stuff. Uh, so 
we talk about all that stuff. And I, I just really dig into the fact that this is, you know, one of the greatest living trombonists and he's really trying to push the trombone in a new direction by commissioning all of these works uh, from really fantastic composers. And uh, as he says in the interview, his, his really, um, he wants there to be trombone literature. If we look back 100 years from now, um, he wants there to be trombone literature by the greatest composers of this time that we're living in now. And um, you never know who those greatest composers will end up being. And so he's commissioning all this work by some really fantastic composers and, and having really great works regardless out of it. And um, super cool. So uh, we get in all that. And, uh, of course, he'll be he'll be at the festival next week with us. And uh, super excited for all that. So enjoy this. Um, who knows how long it'll be. I don't have another interview planned. Uh, but I might just hop on and... and chat to you guys next time so enjoy this and uh i'll see you guys next time <laughs> i don't know if i can do it all right hi i'm here at jay landers brass with jürgen van Rijen, uh from the royal Concertgebouw orchestra there we go i pronounced all of the words correctly very excited to play at itf uh, this year from 10 until 13 july and i hope to see many of you there have you been to itf before Yes, I've been to quite quite many. You've performed, and or have you gone? Have you ever just gone as a guest? Actually, not. That would no. be really nice. But yeah. Always, if I've I've gone, then it was to play. Sure. Well, I mean, you've been you've been playing in major orchestras for a very long time, so it's not like you would have been going as you know a high school student or something. No, that I, I would have loved it when I was a high school student, but there was at that point there was never one around where I was, and it never made it. Um, so could you just tell me like some of your experiences with ITF and the past one you've played? Um, yeah, of course. The, the first one uh, was actually already in 2000 when I just entered the, the concert orchestra and it was the first time to play for a hall full of trombone players. So that was the first quite, time? That was the first time, except maybe exams in sure. school where there's your, your colleagues. but. Uh -huh. Uh, so that was uh, that was nice. It was in in Holland also, so it was a big it was in Utrecht where I'm close from there. So that was great. And after that, I've been to many very nice one. And the, the great thing is to 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 play with with other players and with some of my heroes and some of my the people I've always been listening to. And suddenly you, you're allowed to play together on one stage, and that that was that's fantastic. Yeah. Now you have a a bunch of trombone quartets, right? That mm -hmm. you played with. Have any were any of those kind of inspired by the festival, or did you put them together for it, or meet those people there, or was it completely separate? Uh, we have this uh, trauma quartet with with Joe Alessi and Michel Becker and Stefan Schultz and me, and the idea to do this quartet sort of uh, was already existing, mm -hmm. and then we once did it, we we organized our own trombone festival in Rotterdam, the Slide Factory. Mm -hmm. And one of the years, uh, it also was the sort of European ITF. And that year, there was no other ITF going on, and uh, that was the first time we actually played together. So there was, yeah, we, we came together in Rotterdam for a week and uh, <laughs> rehearsed and did a concert there. It was great.
Since then, we have done other projects with Record the City and... Just one play. CD with that group? Yeah. What's that called? Just for fun. Just for fun. That's actually exactly is what it is. It's yeah. just for getting fun to get together and play. There's a piece that Daniel Schneider wrote for us specifically for that uh, CD. So that's, that's oh, very cool. something that is... Uh, Nice. Uh, chorales and interlude. He's doing something with uh, with Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor, yeah, yeah they're doing to say they, they do it together. Yeah. Oh, nice. So great. He will be there this, yes. this great. summer, uh, and they'll be doing a duo uh, in one of the final concerts. So, yeah, great. Yeah, he's he's a, a great friend of the brass, yes. the brass culture. He wrote a lot for Dave, but also for other. Uh, I've played a lot of his music. It's nice. Yeah, very great. Uh, okay, so uh, I want to kind of take a step back and ask you some leading questions. Um, well, do you know what you'll be doing at ITF? Uh, I will play a concerto with the wind band mm -hmm. on the, the wind band evening. I don't know which one yet, but uh, there, there will be one. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm doing a recital and a joint recital with uh, David Rejano, oh, principal wow. trombonist of LA Philharmonic. So that's great. He's a great player and a very nice guy. So I'm very, look very much looking forward to play with him. Have you worked with him before? Not really, we met before, but we never really played as a duo together. So we, we will do our own things during the concert, but also try to, to make uh, some duets and we ask some, some people to write something new. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's exciting. And um, what else? Uh, I will play in a big Star Wars. Oh, you with Jim? Yeah. So that's one of the projects. That's I great. I, I'm, I did one of these with him as well. So Okay. That's perfect. Great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jim Nova, he's doing really cool things. Yeah. So you'll be in that all-star yeah. group. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. So I've seen uh, you've had a whole bunch of experience playing some very old-style Baroque kind of uh, stuff, some obviously classical and orchestral stuff, and then you've been one of the other few people that has been using technology in, in mm -hmm. your music. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about that, that progression and where those different influences came in? Do you enjoy playing at all? Actually, I do pl enjoy playing it all. For me, it's it's a pity if the music is too much like in in boxes. Like I do classical, I do this, sure. I do old music. Like f the old music just came from the fact that uh, that I never realized how much original old music there is for trombone until I actually met uh, Daniel Lasalle. He's a Sackbut teacher in Sackbut uh, Baroque trombone teacher in uh, France in Lyon, where I studied for a while, mm -hmm. and. I suddenly realized there is a whole period where the trombone was the only chromatic brass instrument. Sure. With before the valves were invented, mm -hmm. and in a lot of chamber music they used trombone because they could play all the notes. <laughs> so there's beautiful trio sonatas, duo sonatas with continuo and two violins, or with um, other instruments, and and it's fantastic music. And it's a pity that actually. We on the modern trombone, we are we are not so much using this music. So I, I, that's why I started to be interested in it. And then I thought it might be interesting to play it actually on on, on all instruments to see mm -hmm. how it worked. And so that's how I came into it. And it's beautiful music. Yeah, which is sometimes uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be old or old-fashioned. It's very lively and almost dancing music sometimes. Mm -hmm somehow actually very close to, to jazz in sure. a way because there's a lot of improvisation and a lot of dance, uh, a lot of groove. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I love there but I like basically every every style. You know, I love playing in the orchestra, it's, there's beautiful parts in, in big symphonies in Mahler or Bruckner or 
Shostakovich or these things. It's fantastic to do. But I love to do solo stuff as well, chamber music. And there has been, after this Baroque time, there has been a long time, not much uh, for chamber music or solo trombone. There's right. a lot in orchestra, but not. And then 20th century again, which is the, the, the pieces we all know, but there is a room for more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't have the repertoire like violin or piano with, right. with Mozart and Rachmaninoff and Beethoven and Brahms. So, in a way, there's a Dutch uh, football player who always said, every disadvantage has an advantage. So the advantage of our instrument is that a lot of things have still to be done. Mm -hmm. we, have to, we have to discover, we have to conquer still the public a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I like uh, very much to, to, to do new things with, with composers writing for me and also trying out stuff with electronics. So all the resources there are are, are nice to use. Mm -hmm. Did you um, did you bring the technology, or did the composer you were working with bring it? Actually, I I brought it, but he was very familiar to it. So the the the, the first actually no, it's not the first piece I, I that was written for me with with electronics was I was like wow, it's a piece for uh, trombone and we call it a tape, mm -hmm. but it's not a tape, it's sure. a soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. uh, and film. Oh, there's a film aspect to there's it. A, but that came later because the, 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 that composer always does that. So he writes solo pieces with soundtrack. So that was his idea basically. And the soundtrack he used was um, uh, from a television documentary. He used the voices of uh, American soldiers who explained what happened to them in the war in Iraq. And he sampled the voices and, and built a whole piece around it. And because it was based on a TV documentary, it was very like logical to also make a film with it. So the film came actually later in the piece. That was the first thing I did, and then I thought I I, I saw some concerts of. I think the first one I saw was um, oh, what's the great bass player Richard Bona. Mm -hmm. He did a lot with loops and stuff. I thought that's great. I'm not. I'm not really. I love jazz, but I'm not a good improviser. And I think everybody. There's people who are much better in that than me. I like to do it for myself. Sure. Um, so I thought if I want to do something with that, it would be interesting if a, if a composer does something with it. Mm -hmm. And then it could be also nice that it can be actually a bit more complicated than it would be like on the spot. Absolutely. And then I, I, I'm friends with this composer, Florian Meyer. He's a German composer, but he studied in Rotterdam in Holland, where I also studied, so we know from the study time. And he's a very funny guy because he's a classical composer, but also a flamenco guitarist oh, wow. and a heavy metal, black metal singer and bass player. So he sings all this, this kind of stuff. And he, because of his guitar and pop background, he knows all the effect stuff with guitars. Ah, I see. So I, I told him, like, would you be interested in writing something, do something with this loop mm -hmm. machine? And then he said, yeah. And we bought this yeah. thing and started to work on it. Was it more collaborative after that point? Yeah. yeah, in the beginning, yes. And at some point, he's just uh, he knew what he had to know, and then mm -hmm. he started to, to, to make the piece. Um, did you already have the specific looper that he was writing to, or did no? He actually, he suggested to take this one. Okay, interesting, because that's that's a big 
think about composing for a looper, it has to be that specific type. Yeah. So, so you also wrote it in the parts. Of course, you can do it with other ones. Sure. But especially now with with Ableton or computer absolutely. programs, you can program it in this whatever pedal you can. But it's somehow easy because he he had that machine in mind, so mm -hmm. it's easier to use that one. Yeah, exactly. Do you find yourself experimenting with that stuff now that you have it and you understand it? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Actually, I'm I'm I've was on uh, I'm on tour now in, in New York and during the tour I was I brought stuff because oh, yeah. next week in Nashville I play this this slipstream which is the piece that I was talking about mm -hmm. but I, I also I tried uh, experiment a little bit with Ableton and with some controllers and I'm not as, as experienced in it as for example you are well or, it uh, starts somewhere know. but I, I like to, to there aren't many people that are experimenting at, at all, so it's cool. No, to I love to do that. It's cool. I, I just made some arrangements of uh, piano pieces with a lot of like repeats mm -hmm. that I can play it with myself now and with some samples. And so that's what I'm going to try out next week. Excellent. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> so, uh, what was your? Well, let's start with this. When you were growing up, what was an album that you were listening to, or a song, or a piece, or anything that that was like? You wore it out. You listened to it so much. Uh, no, the, the very first thing I ever heard of trombone was uh, Irby Green and the Twenty One Trombones, mm. because my my family was very active in the local like wind band, amateur wind band, mm -hmm. and my father showed me all the instruments when I was four years old or something, and somehow I picked the trombone. Like, that <laughs> has to be mine. So the the friend of my father, the trombone player of the orchestra, he he gave me a cassette of Irby Green and Twenty One Trombones. And I played that until it broke, yeah. so many times. And so that's the first sound I, I know. And then when the CD came, the first CD I ever had, had was from Christian Lindbergh. Mm -hmm. Do you remember uh, which his, one? The, the first one, the Virtuoso Trombone, yeah. which was fantastic. And, and then there were a lot of other ones, Michel Becquet, Joe Alessi, that were the classical ones, where I listened Slowcar also, Brian mm -hmm. Slowcar. And then a lot of jazz and, and yeah, basically yeah, everybody else. But the, those were the, the first ones that I listened to a lot. I know you have a similar concept to me of, of classical musicians not listening enough to yep. understanding their own concept of sound, what they want. Yeah. And so those, those were your kind of a combination of all those players was your ideal. Yes, I think I never had exactly an idea how I wanted to be or to play. In, in music, yes, I, when I play something, I, I have a, an idea. But I never said, oh, I want to play like a combination of them. But I, I really admired their own uh, good points, uh, their own strong... They are all such strong personalities that it, that is really great to get inspired. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, they're all very different. But uh, but really great, yeah. and that I, I love to listen to the and get inspired. And then when I play a piece myself, probably there is a bit of everything you listen stays somewhere, and For that's sure. that combines into your own way. Mm -hmm. Okay, what was your what was your first professional gig? Yeah, I, I remember I was in uh, I'm not even in conservatory. I was like 15 or 16 mm -hmm. when the the teachers of my uh, music school where I had my lessons. They had a project uh, together, and a paid project, and they needed an extra trombone. And my teacher said, oh, maybe it's something for you. And I, it was a long project, like two months, with many rehearsals. And I think the pay, pay was like 600 guilders, which was like 300 euro. And for me, that was like, sure. 
unbelievably much money. So that yeah. was the first time I, I got nervous. Really, I got paid <laughs> for this. I have to actually deliver. I have to actually to do it. Yeah. So, but that was not a, a real professional gig. And then the first real official professional gig was, uh, I think, with the Rotterdam Philharmonic. Uh, in, uh, my teacher, another one that I was teaching, but my teacher George Beagle was playing in the orchestra, and they had a uh, election for uh, like a assistant conductor. So there were many coming, and they they had to sort of uh, an audition, mm -hmm. and I played, which was great because it was like a whole book of different pieces sure. that through. So we played a little bit of Bruckner, a little mm. bit of Mahler, and uh, I think Firebird, Stravinsky, and there was so many different. Things that was like whoa, 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 whoa! What's happening? Yeah, that was the first official gig I did. Mm -hmm. So it was it was an audition for the conductor. For the conductor, yes. But it was kind of yours as well. As yeah, for me it was. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, and it was difficult to prepare because you didn't. There was a book full of me, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. That's kind so of. So I just prepared everything and made sure. I like that happened. better than an orchestral audition. You know, like you have to learn it all. Yes. So here, you know, yeah. you can't really be as prepared as you want to be. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Um, do you have any like horror story that comes to mind of of a performance or a gig or recital that you wouldn't mind sharing? <laughs> Humanize Ooh, you a little of bit. Of course, of course, uh, I must have. It's always difficult to come up with something on the spot. I mean, did you have any trouble getting over performance anxiety or being nervous on stage or any of that? No, of course, I'm, I think everybody will be nervous from time to time. Mm -hmm. But some people use it to their advantage uh, and it feels good to be kind of like... Yeah, I, 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 when, when I finally go on stage, normally it feels good. Before it can be annoying yeah. to think, <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> but actually, I, I, I've, I've had like earlier on in my, mm -hmm. in my career, moments where you were on stage with a lot of people and shaking and everything, so oh, what's happening? And that doesn't happen very often anymore, but, but still, of course, I'm, I, yeah, like everybody, I'm yeah. excited. Uh, excited, and, yeah. and, but um, yeah, horror stories. There's one way, funny one, speaking about like what was a sort of dramatic, mm -hmm. not dramatic is a big word, it was fun also, but we had a concert with um, with a concert orchestra with um, a seventh Shostakovich symphony. It's six trombones, and uh, so all the section, everybody was playing. And just before the conductor came up, somebody uh, hit the, the music stand of my colleague, and the part fell off, and he fell between the two. Uh, how do you call it? Like the stage. Yeah. So we. We panicked and we ran off because it's quite quite a lot of a lot to play in this yeah. symphony. But there was no time because they had, it was an old stage and they had to move everything down and they'll have up to go under and it was everybody was already on stage ready to go. So while the conductor came on stage already, we got from the librarian a, a score and we sat together and I've been playing the whole symphony from, from the, the score. score. <laughs> That was quite. Uh, I think we missed a few passages, but <laughs> so was it one part that fell? Or? There was one part. Okay. So, but it, it, you have to turn so much that I sat next to him, and, and so you we were ready. both turning, and it was like a disaster. <laughs> That's but, a good story. <laughs> you think it's still under the stage? I think so. <laughs> That's good. Because I, I'm pretty sure it was in Brussels. It's not the hall where we normally play. 
Uh-huh. And we just left, and uh-huh. it was there, and I think nobody ever <laughs> probably took it. <laughs> That's great. I always have this sort of dream about uh, a horror story. It fortunately never happened to me, but mm-hmm. I'm always so afraid that that during movements that we don't play, you sort of slowly start to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always afraid that in a very soft moment I will wake up with noise. Like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> That's always. I have, literally have this dream sometimes. <laughs> so, that makes, <laughs> in a very quiet moment. <laughs> do you? How do you? I mean, it's never a, happened so far. It's a, it's a funny thing to talk about, but it's kind of real. I mean, when you're playing in an orchestra in the trombone section, there's whole pieces you don't play sometimes. Yeah. What do you do? I try to 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 get focus on the music, to listen really to what happens around, because otherwise you you dream away and then <laughs> you can actually forget the, the the few notes that you have to play. Yeah. This was once speaking about funny stories. Uh, there is a Bruckner symphony, Bruckner Eight, I think it is, mm-hmm. with one symbol. How do you call it? Like crash. Crash. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I have been on stage once where the guy was on, on tour to do that one thing and he missed it. <laughs> That's the whole job? <laughs> That's the whole job was this one thing. <laughs> he stood up too late and took them and oh, put them back. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole tour. <laughs> but he didn't miss it again? Uh, afterwards, no. That yeah. was probably, I think maybe it was even the last concert for, of that tour. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good one too. Do you do... You do uh, do you have a kind of a routine if you have a, a piece of music you're not super familiar with that you have to end up playing uh, that you start with or I mean what, what's kind of your routine there? I play quite a lot of new music where there's not always recordings uh, available because right. the music is new and then I just start by looking looking through. I think it's very for me it's very important to have uh, an idea how you want to play it before you actually play and study it. Exactly. Otherwise you're just doing on the spot and you, you spoil it, like, so a lot of energy on, it's, it's going nowhere somehow. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to actually learn pieces first just by reading it hmm. and having a, an opinion, or opinion, but a, a, an idea about how, where it goes, how it's built up, how it's structured, and then it's much easier to, to play it. Yeah. You just play directly with a direction or mm-hmm. a goal, I think instead of just in, into the Right. Into the air. I've had uh, people tell me the same advice for improvised jazz solos. Mm-hmm. Is before you play, you at least should know what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and rather than just, I'll play something as it happens, you know, yeah. have, have direction and have, you know, even if you don't accomplish it, you're trying to do something. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's often very important also, even for audiences. I mean, mm. it's, you can listen to a concert where many things are missed, but the, 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 the the idea is very clear. You're you're not bothered by the the notes that are missed. Hmm. If the idea is not clear, then every note, if it's even not perfect, then what what's there left? Yeah, just horizontally. Yeah, I know it, it feels like you're you're plugging the album. I promise, I'm asking no. the question. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I so. love to, but it's. If it's appropriate, I mean... Absolutely. Nice. I, I'm sure they would love to hear more about it. few projects that I'm working on now, yeah. one of them is this Fratres. Fratres. It means brothers. It's a very famous piece by uh, Estonian composer Arvo Pert. Mm. He's, uh, he's very well known. His music is, uh, is sort of meditative. It's, it's uh, quite simple in a way, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's 
very going back to old music, to Gregorian kind of music. Yeah. And um, I, I, I play on this album four of his pieces transcribed for trombone. Mm -hmm. All and, on a modern trombone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. With a, a string orchestra is a, a, a group called Arcio Camarata, is of my colleagues of the Concerto Orchestra. And combined with uh, three Bach uh, concertos, so that's also that's old music. Mm -hmm. They're actually not by Bach. They are Bach uh, at some point used, uh, I think, 16 existing solo concertos for violin or bow or, or this kind of instrument, and he transcribed them and made them better or hmm. different or for harpsichord. So there's so this is existing music that Bach actually Bach took, and took and and made the harpsichord version wow. from it, and that version I <laughs> used for and uh, you made it even better. No, <laughs> no, I didn't change. No, no pretentious to, <laughs> to correct Bach or anything. No, but the, it's nice music, and they they are three concertos from the same series, mm -hmm. and two are by two brothers, Marcello, uh -huh. Alessandro, and Benedetto. So it fits into the fratres. And especially this Fratres piece by Pert is, is quite, uh, yeah, was a big project and it's quite demanding. It's a, uh, the version I used was normally for cello, mm -hmm. so it has a lot of fast sure. stuff. And it's, it's really, I, I think it's beautiful music. Yeah. I hope it will. And the other project that I'm uh, working on at the moment is some new concertos. And uh, it's coming, pretty soon it's coming uh, another album with uh, James Macmillan. He wrote a trombone concerto for me that I played now with several orchestras and the recording will come out, I don't know exactly when, but in a few months. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on a few other composers that are going to write the next one, this next year is Bryce Dessner, mm -hmm. an American composer who is actually a rock guitarist. Mm -hmm. He's from the, the band The National. Okay. He's, yeah, a, yeah. he's, from, he's in the band. And how'd, you, all uh, music. how'd you get up with that? He, he's a classical composer, more and more actually, and huh. he writes very nice, interesting music. And we did once a project with him and Nico Muley mm -hmm. and Safian Stevens. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with, with Seven Trombones. Seven Trombones. The group that I'm playing in, the New Trombone Collective, we, we were part of the project and he okay. was there, so we got to know him. It was, so it was originally String Quartet. The, the four of us, is the, the three of us, and James McAllister, um, on percussion. percussion and other electronic exciting things. Um, and then seven trombones, which just felt like a kind of appropriately muscular um, <laughs> ensemble. Why did you choose seven trombones? There's actually a, a, a trombone collective in, in the Netherlands. And I think That's was, what it was, I think. It, it was, was a group that existed. It was a group that existed. It was That's also right. part of, like, it was sort of cat bait for getting Sufjan Degree to do it, because he, like, it, it seemed absurd enough. The planetarium. Yeah. So did you play the one in Brooklyn with... No, we didn't play it here, where other people. Oh, okay, I was wondering. We did uh, in, in Europe, we did in Amsterdam and London and Paris. Um, so going back to uh, Fratres. Yes. So I, I guess like I have a few questions about it, but first was what, what inspired you to do this project? This is the first time in history, I think, not to make something historical, yeah, yeah. Sure. but it's the first period in history where we have a chance to have the, the best and most famous composers of a certain time mm -hmm. writing for a trombone. Right. It never happened. There is music by Ferdinand David, mm -hmm. but it was not Mendelssohn. Sure. Albrecht Berger was the teacher of Beethoven. Leopold Mozart, the father, or Michael Haydn, the brother. You know, we so always close. had some, it was close, but, and 
I really love the idea of trying. You never know who will finally be seen as the, the big and the best ones sure. and who will like stand time and everything. Mm -hmm. But I like to try to 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 tickle those composers to say, go yeah. write for trombone, you can write everybody already wrote for violin. It's, it's mm -hmm. great violin, I love violin, sure. but do something for different. trombone there is still a lot to conquer and to, to happen. Uh, so then one that's so when I like came across that uh, Arvel Pert, I thought yeah, that's a chance that's to, to have some of, of music of the most famous of one of the most famous composers of this time. This Pert music is quite meditative, quite slow, is and and these Bach concertos are actually very vivid and alive. And, yeah. So they they make a nice. They complement uh, each other. Yeah. Hmm. It's like like a like a nice meal with all the dishes are the, sort of the opposite of the other one. After after. Pert, you are maybe ready for Bach, and after Bach, you're ready for Pert. Hmm. And Pert is a big um, fan of Bach's music. He used a lot of his ideas and things, so they fit together somewhere. Works really well. If not trombone, then what would you be doing? Oh, um, I have studied physics in technical university for really? one year, so that would have been probably the other direction. And actually, looking back, I. I love architecture, so maybe I would have gone in the direction of hmm. architecture or something. Yeah, I don't know. You can never tell. No, that was something that always the, the, like technique and that and, and architecture. So that that were two things that always interested me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so you played uh, with the New York Phil for how many months? Eight months. Eight months. Uh, could you talk about how that was different than what you're used to, fitting into a group that already exists and you know finding your voice in there? What what part did you play? I was associate principal. Associate principal. So, uh, yeah, talk about that experience, how it came to be, and and what kind of how your role was different than what you're used to. Yeah, it was a great experience. First of all, I mean, uh, I know Joe Joe Alessi quite well, and he knew I like New York and. <laughs> I don't know that we never spoke about anything, but then they had an audition. They had an open spot for associate principal, and I think nobody was taken in the audition. So they needed before there was a new audition, and they needed someone to fill in. Mm. And suddenly I got a message from, from Joe like, would, "Would you like to come and play with us?" So there was a, a little bit of organization because sure. I had to organize some time off of my orchestra. They were really nice to help me with that and allow me to go. So that was a great experience also with my my family to come here in New York and to 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 live here and and work with another great orchestra. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean it's funny enough it's it's different and not different. Like daily life is basically the same. Mm -hmm. The scheduling and everything is very very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, even like conductors are similar. Um, the way of playing is is a little bit different. And the funny thing is, I really realized that it, it, it um, I mean, basically, saying it very short, mm -hmm. here I had to play a little louder <laughs> and a little earlier. Right. Uh, we are in, in Europe, basically, especially I think in Amsterdam, we are very late. So, conductor is this and pa. <laughs> right. And here it was more pa. Mm -hmm. So, there was something I had to adjust. And the hall is much bigger here. Yeah, I was wondering and, if that had something and, to do with and it. And that's pr why you have to... So, I, the way of playing is, is completely logical if you're on stage in, in... Like in Amsterdam, if you play pa, it sounds 
Whoa. Mm -hmm. So we even have to be careful not to be too round and it's dark, either way. because then, yeah. then it, it just disappears. You have to, we have to stay somehow, of course we try to play round, but, but a little bit clear. Hmm. And here, if you're in Geffen Hall, if you play the same pop, it sounds eh. Yeah. So you have to play fuller and bigger mm -hmm. to sound. So I, that's what I really learned of it, that the, the, the sound concept in the end is not that different yeah. of what you want to achieve. Sure. It's just the way to get there is different it, because of the circumstances, because of the whole. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, I mean, when you, when you showed up, and you started playing with that with that um, brass section. I'd imagine you, you're trying to blend in more to sure, yeah. their sound and everything. Of course, and, of course. And when you're home, do you feel? I mean, you don't even have to think about it, and you just you're kind of leading. No, that, but, that. yeah, but in the end, I mean, wherever you play in in a section together, you're always trying to listen and to to to, to be together. Mm -hmm. I think the the most important rule in ensemble playing is that the other ones are right. Yeah. If everybody thinks that, you end up in the middle and then it works. Yeah. So if you, wherever you are, nobody is going to say, this is right and <laughs> everything you do is wrong. So it's always a joint way to, to, to try to listen. Mm -hmm. So in that sense it's the same, but it takes a little time you have to, yeah, if it's different than you're used to, mm -hmm. then of course you, you need to be yeah. extra aware of that. Did you enjoy that? A lot, you know, yeah. it was great, and, and it's, the orchestra sounds great, and the, the section was great people, and, and sound great, and it was a great experience. Yeah, cool. Uh, and then the last question I have is about uh, your first um, experiences soloing with an orchestra, because you've been mm -hmm. playing with orchestras for years before you actually got in front of one, right? Um, I'm sure you've had yeah. experiences playing, but in front of a major orchestra. Yeah. Um, what was that like? It's nice. I I really like that. It sounds maybe very strange, but sometimes it's easier than playing a solo in the orchestra hmm. because if you have to play bolero or mala three or hmm. these big solos, it's a lot a lot of waiting, and there's a lot of sort of weight on your shoulders. You have one chance for a small passage, sure. and, and you want to do good because you don't want to let down the rest. Yeah. And if you play a concerto, it's more you can much better prepare, and you're there, you're playing for fifteen twenty minutes and. If you miss one or two notes, there is a, not a lot to, to compensate. Sure. But there are some pieces where you have one bar solo in the <laughs> orchestra, and you can be in the best shape of your life, but if you miss that one bar, mm -hmm. then it was a terrible concert. So right. the, the stress is somehow different. Mm -hmm. Of course, most of the time the solo concertos are, are more difficult mm -hmm. than what you have to do in the orchestra, but in that sense, it's, 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 I like it a lot. Yeah. I like both a lot. I mean, it's not that I say I, I prefer one or the other. And uh, so the first time I played with a big orchestra, actually was I was quite young. I was very lucky when I was uh, not even in conservatory. I was in a sort of preparation class of the conservatory in Rotterdam. I was, I think, 17 or just 18. And then uh, uh, I, I could play with the Rotterdam Philharmonic, mm -hmm. Groendal Concerto. So it was, uh, and that was like fantastic. You hear such, such beautiful playing around you and think, whoa, no, let's, let's try to do my best. Yeah. And then, yeah, now I do it much more. Yeah, I, I really like it. It's scary sometimes, <laughs> especially if I, I do now quite some new commissions and new pieces and then you never know how it's going to be because mm -hmm. you, you don't have a chance to listen to a recording or ask sure. somebody how to, how to do it. 
So then it can be sometimes a bit uh, scary, but I like the challenge also. But... Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for watching. And if you want to check out some of my music, listen to my new album, Fratres. There you go. A uh, big thank you to Jurgen for doing this again. Uh, definitely appreciate him coming and giving us an hour of his time. Uh, and Jay Landers Brass for, for letting us uh, do the interview at his shop in New York. Um, we had a couple other places planned and they all ended up being closed and booked. So uh, he, he really let us come in just on very short notice. And uh, if you ever need any, any work done on your instruments uh, and you're in or around New York, uh, he's the only person I trust with my stuff. So uh, there you go. Uh, again, thank you for listening all the way to the end. Um, please let me know. Comment with whatever uh, you think about this stuff. Uh, subscribe on all your podcast apps and such because uh, I don't really have a, a standard schedule on this, uh, at least not right now. So. Uh, the only way you're going to know is if you subscribe. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.